0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab Podcast, where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Fans Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing scaling SaaS companies. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Carl. He is the founder and president over at Tenon. Thank you so much again, uh, Carl, for being on today. It's a pleasure having you. And to start off, why don't you just kick us off with you know, a little bit of background on you, how you got in this space, and essentially what it took to build
1: uh, Tenon. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so I started my career as a web developer and then transitioned into uh, a role doing web accessibility consulting here in the DC area. Right around the time Section Five Hundred Eight came out, and uh, and I and I really latched onto the old accessibility thing. Fast forward a while, and I started the side project. Uh, played around with it for a while, and eventually I said, you know what? I'm going to make a product out of it. So my product tenant is um, is a web accessibility testing tool. It is the first API-first API accessibility testing product out there. And the reason why I went with the API-first approach was because I wanted to make something uh, that was uh, fully integrated with developers' tool sets, uh, de- developer and, and DevOps and, and QA automation. So the idea behind the tool is you plug it into your IDE, your task runners, your automated build systems, your CI, CD, all that sort of stuff, instead of having to go out to a completely separate product. And, uh, and it's worked out well so far. Good. And how long has Timon been around for? So we went into, uh, we went into a private beta phase in 2014. Um, and uh, and s- since that time, we've, we've fast forwarded up to uh, 2016 is when I turned it into a full time job. Very cool. And how long, or not how long, but essentially, how, how many customers do you have at the moment? How many customers? That's a great question. So we have, uh, I think we're getting ready to cross 200 customers. Uh, and when I say 200, that doesn't sound like a lot for, for a SaaS company. But um, a lot of our sales are, are group sales uh, or, or large enterprise sales. A lot of customers right. have their own private instances. There's over 11,000 users of 10. Yeah, so I did notice that you have on your website the big brands that trust you
0: and stuff like that. So with talking a little bit more about that, like obviously like some of the people that listen are both, you know, big B2B players. So that, like they're selling their software to enterprise as well. So yeah. what is the approach for Tenon uh, and yourself and everyone on the team to find, you know, that sort of company? Like do you have SDRs working or is it all sales calls or how does a typical sales cycle go for you?
1: It's, you know, I got to tell you, it's really awesome because the vast majority of our sales are completely word of mouth driven. They're all inbound, especially those enterprise sales. They're almost all inbound sales. Um, and they come to us primarily because maybe they're looking for something. They see that we offer uh, offer SaaS. And then they also see that we offer, you know, the, the enterprise inst- uh, installations and stuff like that. And they go, well, you know, based on the flexibility of it, uh, they give us a call. And it's almost all completely inbound. um, And we hardly do any like uh, a CPC or anything like that. Most of our stuff is content marketing, uh, personal appearances by me at conferences and stuff like that uh, is where we get most of our work. Sweet. Sweet. Now, as far as,
0: you know, this, this inbound uh, customers that you get are all the leads that are coming in. Are these people aware of the issue that they have? Do they want to learn more about the solution or where are they at as far as like, how ready are these people to actually become a customer?
1: Like how much education do you have to provide to them to get them to actually close? You know, we don't have to do a whole lot of selling around why accessibility is important. Um, I, that's kind of good, kind of bad. Part of it is because of, there's a lot of accessibility lawsuits out there. So it's top of mind, especially for financial, uh, insurance, healthcare. Education and retail; those are those are the big segments that, that we operate in for the most part for these large customers, and so they're already it's already kind of a top of mind thing. The only education that we really have to do is in terms of in terms of selling our approach, uh, in terms of selling them on on the, the things that do make us different than than some of the other uh, um, older players in the space. Other than that, they're pretty much on board ahead okay. of time. And uh, you said that you don't spend a lot on like PPC
0: advertising or anything like that. Is there a specific reason for that? Do you think that maybe your your essentially your you know perfect client, your dream client, isn't you know I guess persuaded by something like that, or what is the reason behind that?
1: So a lot of our stuff is so the the PPC CPC stuff that we do is extremely targeted. So um, we're going to target we're going to target those people from. Uh, LinkedIn we're going tar- we're going to target them through remarketing we're gonna, we're gonna um, spend a lot for the conversion but there's not it's, it's so targeted that we're not just blasting it out there because it's it really is kind of a niche product still uh, right. despite the fact that there's despite the fact that there's a lot of litigation around this stuff it's still very niche and what we want to do is is have a laser like focus on the specific client that we're looking for. And so, you know, our total spend is is not much at all compared to what I think other people are are spending. Very cool.
0: What is the biggest challenge as far as and this is from the beginning, right? Like as a, as an entrepreneur as a founder, what's like the, the single biggest challenge that you faced throughout the entire process?
1: I think the biggest challenge has has been one that has has gradually become more and more present uh, as we've gone on. When when we and entered the market, there was literally none, um, and we're fully bootstrapped 100%. Uh, I borrowed 10 grand from a friend uh, early on in that, in that 2016 phase to finish some dev work. Mm-hmm. Every single thing else has been bootstrapped. Um, and so I'm proud of that. And we've made a, a fair amount of money and, and we're not beholden to anybody else. But one of the other problems that that gives us is that we don't have the massive funding to be able to afford a huge development team. So the, the head start that we had on the, the things that we were doing um, that, that led us ahead of everybody out of the gate, um, keeping that momentum has been a bit of a challenge in terms of uh, the, you know, the, the bigger players who had more developers, had more, uh, had more uh, you know, cash in their, in their war chest, so to speak, have been able to catch up a little bit. Right. So for us to keep innovating on what we're doing it takes a little bit longer than than I think it uh, otherwise could.
0: Would that then be I mean it almost it it almost seems like a setback at the same time, right? So like you said it's a challenge definitely. Does that mean that you would be open to VC funding? Or do you don't think it's it's like do you want you prefer to keep it bootstrapped? I mean, there's obviously pros and cons to both sides.
1: Yeah, for me, I think the biggest challenge or the biggest question on VC funding would be whether it's a match. Um, in other words, I, I just don't want somebody to hand me money and and then not be on board with right. the philosophy, the the spirit of the company, the the things that we're trying to accomplish as a company. Um, you know, if somebody's just like, oh I'm, I'm gonna send them this money and I'm gonna get a 5x out of it and woo, you know what, I'm cool. Like I, I'm already making good money. My people are well fed and you know as far as as far as i'm concerned i'm not trying to conquer the world if a vc came along and said hey we are 100% on on with the vision and and the the group of us are going to conquer the planet then i'm all in mm-hmm. so like you, you 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 would like for them to be just as invested as you in actually producing a product and not just a return absolutely yep okay. Obviously, i mean everybody wants to make money and i sure as hell want to make right. money too um, but it's got to be it's got to be part of the vision. The money has to be tied to the, to the vision and, and stuff like that. How many employees do you currently have?
0: So we have about fourteen. Okay. And is there a specific thing that you look for? Um, you know, in, in I mean, do you, do you pay attention to culture and things like that?
1: Yeah, I pay a, I, I pay a ton of attention to culture. Um, what we what we do in terms of hiring is we actually have. Every single person who exists on on staff now has veto power on anybody who comes in. So mm. the first step, of course, is getting past our, our HR person and 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 satisfying her to, to, as to whether she sees that that person uh, is a fit. Uh, and then we and then we go from there, review them. Uh, and I have a couple of my senior people do the interviews, and and then uh, and then they get to interview every, everybody in the company. Interviews that person as well. in one way or another, or at least reviews, uh, past interview comments and stuff. And it, it largely is two things. like, first off, do we think the person can do the job? That's, that's kind of obvious. You don't want to hire somebody who's not going to do the job. And then is that person going to be a good fit? Uh, are they going to be, um, is it going to, are they going to contribute to the overall, uh, atmosphere of the company and attitude of the company? Very cool.
0: If you could have one thing for 10 on, like you could literally choose just one thing, whatever it is, um, to accomplish within the next year, what would that be?
1: You know, one of the things I would love to be able to do is have more integrations of our product into other products. Um, and that's a, that's been a, a focus for us for a while now. Uh, sometimes other things have to take precedent because we're, we are working on some big initiatives right now, but being able to integrate it into more things. What I really want for people is to be able to just plot tenant into exactly what they're already doing because there's an integration built and get started immediately. I think that's my, that's my biggest goal for people. Would that be an option to do something like that with something like Zapier or Integromat? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A Zapier kind of thing, uh, automate.io or whatever, that kind of, uh, flexibility to just boop, boop. And then these two things are talking to each other is, is, would be phenomenal.
0: What is, I guess, what is the, the, you know, the, What's stopping you from doing such a thing?
1: Because we have a, a lot of other initiatives that we're working on right now that are t- that are uh, a, a lot more of a heavier lift. Right now, we're completely rewriting the API um, to to add a lot more pa- power and, and flexibility. We're also adding some f- capabilities that are more robust around uh, organizations and teaming, so being able to collaborate with others in the in the testing process. And then the other thing we're doing is making improvements to the spidering capability because part of the tool is a spider and it can actually crawl through all the pages of your site and and test every single page. We need to make some some uh improvements to how that is in terms of being able to better target parts of the site that you want to test so that those kinds of things and, and given the limited uh team size are they're kind of in the way of of creating these integrations what is if if you could do
0: if you could change one thing as far as like your marketing goes, what would that be? Like, would you be able would would you have a team that can put out more content uh, to kind of educate a little bit more? Maybe like video. Like, what would that one piece that you think would kind of push
1: you to the next level would be? I think content and video would be great. You know, um, one of the things that that helps tenants specifically in terms of, first off, our, our initial launch and also uh, continuing on is, is my personal reputation in the space mm-hmm. um, because prior to even creating Tenant, I had published a couple hundred blog posts on, on the top of, of accessibility anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe that knowledge share uh, is a huge, huge benefit for us specifically because it demonstrates to the, to the potential customer, yeah, these people really know what they're talking right, about. Right, exactly so content marketing and knowledge share and and, and uh, not just not just the written stuff with blog posts but videos would be would be a great add on to the marketing yeah. what about distribution
0: channels right so like for all your content is there any specific thing that maybe like someone in your team or even you are doing to get that content out and obviously to the right people because like you mentioned like you have a very specific niche so even if you were to use like facebook ads or linkedin ads to blast, like you still can't target like that one person that is going to look at that and and have that aha moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, we've, we used to have all of our, all of our CRM and sales and marketing stuff sort of on on all these disparate different services. And we've unified around HubSpot uh, very recently. As a matter of fact, we're still doing the uh, onboarding process with them. But I'm really looking forward to be able to having a unified uh, location for all of our marketing stuff and all of our advertising stuff under within HubSpot and the ability for us to, you know, for, to track uh, a lot of those things and to, and to distribute those to the various different channels. You know, because I think what you were alluding to is there's some people who choose to consume content in different ways. Some people, right. they still want RSS feeds Mm-hmm. Uh, other people like blogs other people like mailing lists so right. being able to unify that is a, is a, i think a big deal
0: yeah 100% and like he's like essentially you could you could repurpose everything right so like mm-hmm. you have a blog post and then you have literally or, or the other way around let's say you're at a conference cuz you said you go to conferences yeah. and you're giving a talk on something specific and then somebody in your team transcribes that puts it into you know a blog post and then maybe you send it out in an email list too so The cool thing is that you can literally take one piece of content and just distribute it throughout Mm -hmm. every channel that you want. So I I see what you're saying there. Um, Now to talk a little bit more about like the personal aspect of growing the business, what is the most challenging thing, you know, on a a personal level while is it like, I guess the stress that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, growing a business or what sort of thing is like the one thing that kind of like bogs you down.
1: Well, I, ha- I mean, I, I think I have two things in response to that. I think one of them is the fact that uh, that I am now not just responsible for feeding myself. Right. I'm responsible for feeding 14 other people and their families, too. And so uh, ensuring the success of the company isn't just su- ensuring my own success. It's, it's ensuring that they can continue to, to be successful people, too, and, you know, pay the bills and all that sort of stuff. And then the the much more personal thing is balance. Um, you know, I, I'm older than most founders. I'm 45. So, uh, so a lot of founders are you know younger kids or something like that. And and working 80 hours a week is awesome. And I did that stuff. You know, like when I first started out as a web developer, woo. You know, I'd I'd work all the way clear into like 3 a.m. You know, I'd be writing code and stuff like that. Well, and I can still do that. But I realized that there's a point where I'm like. Nah. Like I, I'm not gonna be one of those founders who are gonna be like, I'm gonna work myself to death and, and the only reason you're not successful is because you're not working hard enough. No, I still work ten to twelve hours a day, right, but my weekends are mine, you know what I mean? Like I'm and and that balance was something that I had to choose to find and really force myself into. Right. And and obviously
0: spending time with family, like giving them, you know, priority as well. Um, And all those good, good things, essentially, I think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle. And like you said, like, a lot of the founders nowadays, like they're, you know, younger um, people that are essentially, you know, trying to come up with cutting edge technology and things like that. And they will be there sitting, you know, till like late hours in the morning. Um, But it's just not sustainable, regardless of what they're taking or whatever. Like, so Uh I think it comes with that, you know, like, kind of like self care mentality that you should also look after like the other aspects of your life and make sure that everything revolves in a holistic way.
1: And you know what people don't realize too, is that, is that if you keep going in that mode, you're going to get burnt out. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, but there's a, there's another thing that I found was that my general life satisfaction improved when I made this switch. It improved to a point where I was actually more productive. In other Mm -hmm. words, those, those hours that I put in each day were um, were were the best hours. You know, there's times when when you're working, you know, 15, 16 hours a day, and you know the only time you take you take time off is to is to eat your breakfast or something. When you do when you're doing that, what ends up happening is so many of those hours are just non-productive mm-hmm. that it's not worth it. It really isn't. Kick ass for your eight eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, uh, whatever it's going to be kick ass on those and then and then take some time off
0: totally refresh and then you know take it all in learn new stuff yeah. um,
1: yep. totally in
0: this in this entire time what would you say is or has been your biggest mistake as a founder Wow. i've made, <laughs> I've made a few <laughs> you know
1: the, the one you know like
0: like you mentioned something good earlier and i think that was a responsibility right so mm-hmm. making sure that you're not your shoe anymore, but your team is also well yeah. off. And obviously they're, they're getting what they deserve for the work that they're putting in. But it, it like, has there ever been a time where you did something and, and you were literally scared that something was going to happen where your team could have been affected as well?
1: Uh, I actually had something where the team was affected. So there was a time period uh, not too long ago, but about a year, 18 months ago, where we were just burning white hot. I mean, we were carrying uh, 250K in um, accounts receivables every single month. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was, at any given time, I'd look in QuickBooks and see that there were still outta- outstanding uh, re- receipts for, for 250K and and just killing it. And what ended up happening was I was like, okay, I'm going to sink a whole bunch of money into, uh, into bringing on some additional development work and all this sort of stuff to really... Uh, really ramp up the velocity. Mm-hmm. And what I hadn't realized was the the complete other swing side of the pendulum from uh, from holidays and all that sort of stuff where the, the bottom sort of fell out of this and uh, ended up having all this money that I had spent out of my own, out of the war chest that we had saved up and all this other stuff that made it a point where I had problems paying people on the team. And, uh, and that was really bad. It taught me a big lesson about, you know, just because you have it, it doesn't mean you're going to have it forever. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you got to, you got to actually consider the fact that um, even, even when you're going good, the pendulum can swing the other way and you have to be prepared for it. Totally. Good, good,
0: good lesson for sure. Um, And, and that's the thing, like sometimes things just go so well and then it just hits you. Right. So. So you gotta make yeah. sure that you're set up for success, I guess, when that does happen because it probably
1: will be at some point. Yeah, um, it's got to. It's gonna. It's and now, now it's. It, I've learned that lesson so well that now I'm. Um, you know, it's. It, it was good that it happened. It right. sucked when it happened, but It was good that it happened because I learned something huge out of it. Totally, totally. Um, what's something you're not very good at? Uh, what's something that, you know? I'm. I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a startup guy. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I fit into that very well because like people every time I hear people talking about uh startups and stuff like that it's always about mergers and acquisitions and funding and VCs and angels and and I and I you know I don't even know what any of that stuff is for for uh, for the most part. <laughs> it's just been execute 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 and um you know, that's, that's one thing I've never been really good at is sort of fitting into that whole scene of, uh, of the startup world, I guess.
0: Cool, cool. We're getting close to the end of the podcast here, but a couple more questions. What
1: is your biggest accomplishment? I, the biggest accomplishment is that we completely revolutionized the way web accessibility testing is done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, without a doubt, nobody was doing what we were doing when we did it, and now they're all doing it. Yeah, um, and and quite simply, it's because of how much it makes sense. You know, prior to when Tenon came out, there were these big, uh, I call them monolithic accessibility testing platforms that were out there, and it, they were they tried to be all and end all in terms of the reporting and and all this sort of stuff. And and the the developers and the QA people had to go and go to this separate system. And for us, it was like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If you ask a developer where they want their tools, it's going to be in where their other tools are. You know what I mean? Like even me as a developer, uh, when I'm writing code, the only thing that's open is my IDE. That's that's it. And th- that's where I expect everything to be. Mm-hmm. That's why things like Grunt and Gulp and all that sort of stuff came out in the first place was because it, it, it was all about making that, making these tasks more, um, uh, more convenient for the developer. Right. And... I think everybody was like, yeah, no shit, that makes total sense. And I apologize for <laughs> cussing on Be your podcast. Um, but then now uh, next thing you know, the other bigger uh, companies that were out there in in the in the space started imitating it. And I I think that's awesome. That's you know, good. I see yeah. one of the things I saw, I, I have read uh, I I have periodically read the start of it and you know you'll see somebody go oh you know there's a a person up there copying what i did and oh what am i going to do dude pat yourself on the back because if yeah. they're imitating you you have done something huge totally totally they're just
0: essentially you know, what's the word i just i just blanked but they're just i literally just blanked i forgot
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um they're they're uh, i guess qualifying or
1: yeah know, yeah exactly validating,
0: validating the idea that's what i meant You're
1: validating the idea exactly, exactly um very cool what is one
0: software company that you think right now is just absolutely killing it and you look up to it
1: i already mentioned hubspot so i'm not going to mention them again the other one is stripe um so when i first when we first started and we decided we were going to go for the subscription model um for the for, for some of the smaller customers i was looking around and I was looking at everybody, uh, Rick Curly and Charge B and all that sort of stuff, and, and I came across Stripe, and Stripe was very new at the time, and their API is amazing. It, their API is is the kind of thing it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as for us, because we are an accessibility company, everything we do has to be accessible too. So a lot of these other payment uh, pr- processors were like, "Oh, use our form or whatever," and Stripe's own form, unfortunately, uh, that was inaccessible, but the API allowed us to plug that in. Uh, and, and as, as Stripe has grown and as their API has improved, everything has just been amazing. And, and yeah. I think they, that's, that's a model. That's a, that's a model to follow. Cool. Awesome. And a couple last questions here. What can people find you online, Carl? So the company, Tenon.io, T-E-N-O-N.io. Uh, that's, that's the company. You can follow me on Twitter uh, on, at Carl Groves. It's Carl with a K. Uh, my blog, Carl Groves. Uh, my LinkedIn, Carl Groves. Carl Groves is, is everything. Um, that's where to find me. If you follow me on Twitter, it's mostly politics. If you want uh, the geeky stuff, uh, you'll have to sift through it a little bit. Um, but my blog, carlgroves.com, has very little politics, all geeky stuff. Awesome. Uh, and then, and then the Tenon website, like I mentioned. Sweet. Perfect. And last
0: question. Do you have any questions for me?
1: Yeah. Um, so w- tell me about your podcast. I think it's amazing. And, um, and you talked very fast at the very beginning. How many of these do you do? Uh, thank you. So I try to do
0: one every week, mm-hmm. uh, this week or these past couple of weeks, I've actually done, I think like five every week. So about one every day. Uh, very fun I do for some reason I'm not sure what it is at the beginning like it just has to get out you know because uh-huh. um, I know I, I've heard that from people before and the beginning is really fast and then I start to like kind of slow down for yeah, whatever and you
1: get into the groove and you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah,
0: yeah so that's that but the podcast really like I fell in love with software companies and just everything that they were doing to be honest at the very beginning the one thing that kind of attracted me was the design like mm-hmm. for some reason every single software company that i came across had really beautiful websites mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's what, like the first thing that kind of like caught my eye and then after that it was obviously like you know the things that people were doing in this space like amazing entrepreneurs uh, you know pretty much all the way around uh very young like you said as well so just kind of like looking up to that um i've always been very entrepreneurial as well so it, it, it just resonated with me mm-hmm. um and then while I got into the space, obviously I've been advertising for a while now, and uh, advertising for software companies—it's something I really enjoyed—and um, and I wanted to get in front of more software uh, people. So so I started like, you know, thinking, and what can I do to to start talking to more founders? How can I get in front of them? And I figured, you know, let's put a podcast, tell them, let them tell their story, what they're doing, and then essentially create a relationship with them um, yeah. and just get myself out there. So that's kind of like. A, the backstory on that cool well, yeah. awesome thank you very cool so thank you again carl for being on here again it was a pleasure it's really cool what you've been able to do with 10 on uh, the things that you've learned and, and obviously the lessons that you now have passed on to the audience so appreciate that and uh we'll see you next time all right thanks thanks Bye bye